Experiences are what people love the most about travel. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like hiking Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania or enjoying the views while cruising on a catamaran in the Caribbean. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. With over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10. That's V-I-A-T-O-R-10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why they love Viator. They have over 300,000 bookable experiences and something for everyone. Plus, their travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. You're about to experience the life-giving teaching of Bishop Kevin Foreman, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Center. To find out more about Dr. Foreman and Harvest Christian Center, visit our website at www.harvestcc.me. And no matter what, remember, love God, love people, and love life. This is my Bible. It is the living word of God. It gives me abundant life. I am not just a hearer of the word. I'm a doer of the word. This word teaches me Hallelujah. Remain standing. Go to Proverbs chapter 24. Proverbs chapter 24. We're going to look at the same scripture we looked at uh, in part one of this message. Uh, Proverbs chapter 24, verse number 16. And when you have it, say, I got it, Bishop. If you still flipping, say, hold on, sir. All right, I will give you a, some hold on time. <laughs> Proverbs 24, wisdom. Proverbs, proverbial wisdom. Wisdom. Does the neighbor say, you need wisdom? Coincidentally, if you do not have the Harvest Weekly Devotional living in favor every day, this week talks about wisdom. So this scripture is coming from the book of wisdom. Now, here's what wisdom does. Wisdom is a shortcut. What takes smart people 20 years, wise people get done in two days. So you can be smart but not be wise because being wise is knowing how to apply knowledge. Being wise is a shortcut. Does that make sense? Okay, so you can know business in theory, but not know business in actuality. So you may be book smart about business, but you may not be experienced or prepared in business. And so you know business theory, you don't know making money. Say wisdom. wisdom. All right, so when we look at the scripture, Proverbs is coming from the book of wisdom. So Proverbs 24, 16. For a righteous man, and, and we've established in the first two parts of this message that that's who? You. Why? Because Jesus gave you his righteousness as a free gift, which means you are in right standing with Jesus. You are in right standing with God, and that's a gift. Which means on the day you think you've been real spiritual and you've been acting real good, 
The Bible says that even that still stinks. He says, your righteousness is as filthy rags, which means without his righteous gift, I don't have a right to ask for anything. But because he gave me righteousness as a gift, I can boldly approach the throne of grace and obtain mercy in a time of need. Why? Because he gave me the gift necessary to get access to the throne. Do you understand this? So it says for a righteous man. In other words, a man or a woman that's got access to the throne room of God. They may fall seven times and rise again. In other words, it's not an issue of if. It's an issue of when. And I wish some of you would finally make up your mind that your win is now. You know, the biggest thing trying to help some people is they think they know something. They don't know. Touch your neighbor and say, please. please. Tell them, say, please. please. Decide, Decide to bounce back. But the wicked shall fall by calamity. Father, I decrease that you might increase. Speak to us now that we might move and walk in what you have ordained. It is in Jesus' name we pray. To my shout hallelujah. hallelujah. As you take your seats, high five, two or three people and say, bounce back, bounce back, bounce, bounce, bounce back, bounce back, bounce back. I'm going to do some review and then I want to move into some new stuff. And so I want us to move expeditiously so that I can finish this teaching. There's so much in the text that we're going to cover. I want to make sure that we can finish it and I can teach it uh, and do it justice. Being a Christian doesn't mean every swing you take is going to be a home run. Touch your neighbor say, you will make mistakes. Touch them, say, you will make mistakes. Now, listen, if you don't like who you sit next to, I want to go and encourage you to go and get up, go to the restroom and come back and sit next to somebody else. Because you're going to talk to them at least seven more times tonight. So look at him and smile and say, touch me. <laughs> Being a Christian doesn't mean every swing you take is going to be a home run. Being a Christian means that when you strike out, you what? Bounce back. Now watch this. We began to evaluate what happens when plans don't pan out. Uh, and one of two primary scenarios that cause your plans not to pan out. What was the first primary scenario? The plan was plagued. What was the second primary scenario? The plan was a trap door to another plan, a trap door to a greater plan. Okay, let's, okay, see, now this is why I do stuff in parts and series. All right, number one primary scenario when your plan doesn't pan out is what? Come on, Harvest, what? Okay, and the second one was? Okay, let, let's, let's work on unity. One, two, ready, everybody. The plan was a trap door to another plan. All right, now. Uh, when we looked at the plan being plagued, there were four specific things I gave you uh, to check to see whether or not your plan was plagued. What was that first thing? Did you commit your plan to God before planning? Say before planning. Okay, let me tell you what Christianity is not. Christianity is not, God, I want to do all of this, make it happen. That's a genie in a bottle. That's not Christianity. Christianity is God... I commit everything I want to do to you before I even make plans to do it. So I commit my plan to God before I start planning. Watch this. Desire doesn't mean purpose. I'm going to say it again. Just because you desire to do something doesn't mean it's purpose for you to do that thing. Just because you have ability doesn't mean something is purpose for you to do. Just because you like doing something doesn't mean it's purpose for you to do. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? Sometimes we think, you know, people say, I need to find myself. The problem with finding yourself is that you presuppose you ever knew you. How are you going to find a stranger? Tell me when you met you. 
The scripture says in Jeremiah, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you, which means he said, I knew you, you didn't know yourself. That is the reason why it takes being reconciled. See, the scripture says that we are reconciling the world back to Jesus. Well, you can't reconcile re-over. You can't reconcile something that was never conciliated in the first place, which means the reason I'm coming back to Jesus is because I was with him before I ever got here, but when I got here, I acted brand new like I never knew him. So now watch this. When people say, I need to find myself, the problem is you're presupposing you knew you. Okay, all right. We'll deal deal with that this weekend. All right. Uh, The second thing I gave you, did you prepare or just hope and wish? The third thing I gave you, what counsel did you seek? Or did you decide that all of a sudden your decision-making skills dramatically improved? Say you need good counsel. Say you need excellent counsel. Okay, so let me, just, let me just deal with this. We've dealt with it in great detail, so I want to move quickly so we can get to, to the stuff I didn't get a chance to treat in part two. So a lot of times in life, you got to be very careful of who you're getting counsel from, especially when you're stressed. Because when you're stressed, the worst people to talk to are people that have never accomplished anything. Because you want to know what they're going to talk to you about? They're going to talk to you about imposing boundaries. Well, I wouldn't do all of that. I wouldn't try that. I don't know. You sure you want to do this? Well, the problem is, is that you will succumb to that and call it wisdom because stress is talking to stress and producing hell. Are you hearing what I'm saying? All right. So, so, so you, we looked at that in great detail about in a multitude. In multitude, there didn't mean many counselors. It meant excellent counsel. There is what safety. All right. And the fourth thing I gave you uh, was to check the plan, check the people in the plan, and to check your plan for the what? Amen. Come on, harvest the what? Amen. Now, sometimes the plan is good, but the wrong people can be in the plan. Right. Now, remember, I gave you three different groups of people. The first were what? Lots. People with hidden motives, which can cause strife. So wherever there's a strife, strife, strife means fighting. And it really means fighting that shouldn't exist. Okay, wherever there's fighting, touch your neighbor and say, don't fight me. Wherever there's fighting, and I know we, (laughs) wherever there's fighting, there is a motive that is different than another individual. Do you understand this? Wherever there's a fight, there's conflicting motives. Wherever there's a disagreement, as you call them, there are conflicting motives. The reason there's a disagreement is because somebody has a different motive. If the motive is the same, then we should be able to agree that we've got to get there. And when you've got a by any means necessary attitude about life, then you say, well, then what's the quickest way for us and the wisest way for us to get there? Are you hearing what I'm saying? All right, now here's what you need to understand about lots. Sometimes God's way of dealing with lots is if you won't deal with them, he will. Because God, I need to help somebody tonight. God has spent too much time and too much energy saving you from too much hell to let some lot come up in your life and mess up all the progress he's made. So the people you won't kick out, he'll remove them because he says, I I didn't go through all that trouble saving you from that messed up relationship, saving you from that car wreck, saving you from that bankruptcy. I didn't save you from all of that for you to let some... So the lot you won't deal with, sometimes he will. And, and sometimes, God, can I tell you something about God? 
Sometimes God will allow you to have a very painful experience with a lot so that you won't even be tempted to try to renegotiate with Lot. It's quiet in this church. Let me get the vice chairman back up here. Let me just have him Skype on in. See, what's this? The, the scripture in Genesis 13, uh, uh, God gives Abraham very clear instructions in Genesis 12. He says, I want you to get away from your bloodline. I want you to get away from your father's house to a land I'm going to show you. Abraham gets a bright idea and says, let me bring Lot. He didn't know that Lot had a hidden agenda and a hidden motive. See, just because people are around you doesn't mean people are for you. Everybody that rides in your car is not for you. Everybody that sits up and says, I got your back. Sometimes what they mean is I have a knife in your back. They just didn't put the, you, you missed it. They skipped part of the sentence. Are you hearing what I'm saying? All right. So sometimes what God has to do is sometimes God says, I know the only way you'll listen to me is if it hurts. So sometimes what God does is say, I need to show you who they are and I need to let it hurt so you won't ever try to negotiate again. Watch this. God didn't speak to Abraham again until Lot was gone. Which means Lot's now, can, can I teach, this is Wednesday Night Live, can I teach you tonight? Watch this, watch this. Which means Lot's then impede your spirituality. A lot, you know what a lot does? A lot basically comes, they have these things called signal jammers where you can put it in a room and it'll jam all of the cell phone signals in that room. It'll jam all of the wireless, it jams all the signals. A lot is a signal jammer. Because what a lot will do is, 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 what a lot does is comes in and what God says is, I know if I tell you this, you're going to tell them. The issue is, is you don't know the motive they have. And what's interesting is Abraham, can, can, I, can I really teach you tonight? Since Abraham thought he was a trickster, he thought he couldn't be played. So, so you got to be careful when you think you, you got an agenda and you're like, well, they don't know what I'm working, but you don't know what they working. Abraham was like, well, I got my own sleeves up my, uh, tricks up my sleeve. But Lot was like, yeah, but I got two sleeves full of tricks. Y'all ain't saying nothing. So you have to be very careful now when you're moving in all of this because Abraham, Bishop, what do you mean? Abraham, when he, gets to, when he gets to Pharaoh, he lies about who Sarah, his wife, really is. He like, just say you're my sister because if they think this, they think that. So Abraham was a trickster. Isaac did the same thing. And then Jacob was the, he's, Abraham, he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Well, all of them had lying problems. Abraham was a liar. Isaac was a liar. Jacob was a sure enough lie. Now, here's the good news. That means even if you got issues... Now, quit that line, but even if you do have some issues, won't he still use you? Won't he still turn your life up? Touch your neighbor and say, I know I got issues, but he still loves me. Sure do. And that's what some religious people got a problem with is that he still loves you even though you got problems. And he still loves you even though you got issues. But now watch this. <laughs> Abraham was like, well, I, I got this bag of tricks up my sleeve, and, but he didn't realize Lot did. So essentially in Genesis 13, God ceases communication with Abram until Lot is gone. Got it? Okay. So, so you got to be careful with Lot. So the second thing I gave you was Miriam's. Miriam's, uh, we talked about, that name means rebellious, bitter, strong water that won't be tamed. So while a lot causes strife, which impedes your spirituality, a Miriam will slow down your plans. 
Can I ask you something? Why does it take so long to get certain things done? Touch your neighbor and say, stop taking so long. I, I've told this story before. When I go places, I like to move and to get to where I'm going. When I go to the store, I'm trying to get to where I'm going. I'm not going in to have a nice, delightful afternoon. I, I know I needed this, this, and this. But come on, fellas. Don't leave me hanging here. Now, I know the ladies go in, oh, that's so cute. I don't care nothing about that being cute. I didn't come in here for that. I came in here to go to aisle number 14. Matter of fact, I had you look it up on Google before we got here so we knew exactly where we were walking to. When I go to the mall, I don't care nothing about the stores that I go to on the way to get to the store I came here to go to. I came to go to the store I came to go to. Now, <laughs> now, now is it, what are you saying for? It's because, watch this, some people, when they don't have an agenda when they're going to the mall, they walk as if they don't have one. Some people, when they just driving just to take an afternoon stroll, or driving like they don't have nowhere to be. And people like me have places to go, people to see, kingdom business to handle. So just because, you see, the speed limit is 65 and you're just lollygagging at 40, Get an attitude with me because I like to obey the law to the fullest extent of the law. And if it says 65, everybody knows that means whatever that means in your local state. <laughs> Here's the point. With no agenda, you will always move at a pace that doesn't get you to the place on time. So Miriam slows you down. The analogy I was trying to draw is that because when people don't have an agenda, they just... Oh, that's so nice. Oh, that's so cute. Let's get some boot socks. Let's do this. That's so cute. <laughs> and then the rest of the people in the mall is trying to get to the store like me. <laughs> Stand in the middle of the mall. Come to church because you need to get that slow spirit. You're slow. <laughs> I'm being facetious. I want you to get the point. Miriam slows your plans down. Because you spend all of your time, time trying to tame strong water that won't be tamed. You spend all of your time trying to turn somebody bitter into somebody better who doesn't want to be better. They want to be bitter. And you sit here encouraging them. Come on, let's do this. Come on, let's do this. Come on, let's pray. Come on. Let's... They don't want to pray. They don't want to be better. They don't want to get to word. They want to be miserable. In fact, you inviting them to a greater life is offensive to them. It's quiet in here. You suggest something good, they shoot it down. You know why they shoot it down? Because they're Miriam. They're rebellious and they're bitter and they're strong water that doesn't want to be tamed. So here's what happens. You don't focus on your plan. You focus on trying to change a man or a woman in your plan when what you need to do is remove them from your plan so that your plan can go forward. Does the neighbor say, go with the goers? I used to sit up, I mean, as a pastor, these are my confessions, as a pastor, I used to tell, well, let's just help so-and-so. Come on, let's just have a meeting. I ain't had no more meetings. If you can't do A, B, C, D, E, F, and G, God bless you. Thank God for you. Be encouraged. I'm not having no meeting to tame water that don't want to be tamed. It's quiet in here. Okay, but now look at how much time you spend in your life trying to tame Miriams. 
For what? If the water wanted to be tamed, it would submit. <laughs> Tessa never said it's going to be good for us tonight. All right. So listen, if you're if you if you got some bitterness and you got some Miriam in you, you got to stop that. Bishop, I don't know how. Yes, you do, because you turn it on and turn it off. Bishop, how do you know that? Because you don't act like that with your boss. You only act like that with folk you know that will allow you to act like that, which means you can be tame. You don't want to be tame, and you got to learn how. No, sir. Uh, Y'all ain't going to say nothing to me. Parents, you sitting up here, but I don't know why they act because you let them act like that. You You better tame that water. You don't act like that everywhere, so don't tell me that's how you are. You chose that. Okay. All right, let's move on. All right, Aiken. Aiken means, matter of fact, lay your hands on yourself. Say, Lord, Lord forgive me forgive if I've been a Miriam to myself. Because truth be told, we all have at some point. But if you're currently in a state of Miriamism, I want you to come out tonight. Loose your hole. Come out tonight. All right. Now, Aiken. Aiken, Aiken means trouble. It's disobedient people in your plan, deliberately disobedient in your plan that cause your plan not to pan out. Now, here's what you need to understand about Aiken. Is, is that Aiken, and we've gone over the story, but I want you to catch this. This is so powerful. God caused Joshua and all of the people of Israel to lose a battle, not because of Joshua's leadership, not because of the people's faithfulness, but because of one disobedient man in Joshua's camp. What I'm trying to tell you is that there are certain plans that your plan was good, but the persons or people in your plan, somebody was deliberately disobedient and God withheld the victory from you on account of them. I need, did you see this? This is so important because sometimes, sometimes you, you think, well, I did everything. I did this. I did this. I did this. But you have to consider that when judgment is issued on a plan, it's issued on everything in the plan. Are you here? Bishop, give me an example. Remember uh, in the scripture when uh, the Lord and Abraham were having a discussion, they said, uh, uh, or excuse me, the, the Lord and, and one of the gentlemen there in uh, Sodom and Gomorrah were having a discussion. And they said, if I could just find X amount of righteous men, then, then he said, then I won't destroy the city. And they kept changing the number down. They kept changing the number down and didn't end up doing it. Well, wait a minute. In other words, God says, I would change my mind about the city. On account of just a few. There it is. Y'all can throw it up on the screen real quick. Uh, on accord of just a few. Which means there is this principle now that exists in Scripture that says it's not just about me, but it's whatever I allow to attach itself to me. Do you see this? Do you see this? Now, here's why that's important. Joshua lost this battle, which should have been a simple, easy battle, because Achan was deliberately disobedient. Knew the word, knew the directives, just deliberately decided, I'm not going to do it. Now, can I give you a little teaser for, for next Wednesday? I don't, I, that ain't enough for me. I... The scripture says, be not ignorant to the devices of the devil, lest he gain an advantage over us. Look at Joshua 7:11. Put it up. It says, Israel has sinned, and they have also transgressed. What is transgressed? Willfully deviate from what you know to be the correct. 
So Israel not only sinned, which means missed the mark, they also transgressed. See how there's two separate, separate indictments here? He said they sinned, which means they missed the mark, mistake. But they also willfully deviated from which they knew to be the truth. For the cover which I commanded. For they have even taken some of the accursed things and have both stolen and deceived and also put it among their own stuff. Can I tell you, can I give you a little teaser where we're going? There are some things that the reason Satan has access to your life, despite your confessions, is that he attached himself to a possession. You still holding on to a box of stuff from so-and-so and this and that and this and that. And so Satan says, I still got access to you because I'm attached to the thing called the accursed thing. Okay, y'all, okay, y'all. And so you figure because you don't talk to them, but you still receive texts from them, you think that there's no connection there. But the scripture says, but when the text entered your phone, it gave Satan access into your... Okay, y'all don't want this kind of teaching. 2 Corinthians 2.11. Go to verse 10, though. Start at verse 10. Go to verse 10. Now whom you forgive anything, I also forgive. For indeed, if I have forgiven anything, I have forgiven that one for your sakes in the presence of Christ. Watch this verse. Next verse. Lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices or his schemes. So watch this. Look at me, Harvest. This is Wednesday night, so I can give you some depth stuff, right? All right. Which means the reason, in addition to AI being deliberately disobedient, that they lost the battle was because Satan attached himself to the things that Achan took. And when Achan brought them in the camp, he gave Satan access to a place that he normally have to stop and not enter. But when Achan brought it in the camp and brought it in his house, now all of a sudden, an enemy that didn't have access had access. Look at Joshua 7, 12. Therefore, the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but turn their backs before their enemies. You read it. One, two, ready to read. Because? Okay, all right, all right, I'll leave it alone. We'll, we'll get to it next week. Doesn't even say next week. It was the thing that gave Satan access, which gave him a legal right to not uh, to to prevent them from having the victory. What accursed things you got up in your house, up in your car, up in your phone, up in your iPad, that is now given Satan access. He'd have to stop at the door because you anointed it. He'd have to stop at you because you've been anointed. He'd have to stop at you. But when you take the accursed thing and put it in your house. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. Next week. So, so, so we said this. An LMA can be you or someone else. Y'all want to go back to there and dive? See I test your, y'all don't be responding right, Sorry. Okay. I, I asked an important question last week that was a perfect segue into the second possible scenario about why your plan didn't pan out. And here's the question, you remember? Why didn't God tell Joshua about Achan before they went to battle instead of letting, letting the nation lose the battle? Why? Why? Doesn't even say why. 
And I asked you this question. Uh, why is there certain things in your life that God didn't tell you about before it happened? If God, if God knew that that relationship was going to end up messing you up, why did he let it happen? If God knew that that person was going to end up betraying you, why didn't he let it happen? Interesting question. Why, why, if Jesus knew that Judas was his betrayer, why did he keep Judas on his team? You do understand you get to choose your betrayer. Since you get to choose who's around you, you choose your betrayer. That's a choice. You get to choose who your Judas is. I don't know how this happened. No, you chose. But why didn't God tell you? Why didn't God say, they finna lie to you? Why didn't God say, put your purse up? <laughs> Y'all ain't gonna say that? Why, why didn't God say, don't you trust him? Run, Forrest, run. Why didn't God do that? Why? Why didn't God stop stuff that he knew was going to be painful? That he knew was going to hurt, that he knew was going to create issues for? Why didn't he stop? Touch your name and say, why? All right. Well, now, what's this? It gave us, it took us to our second plausible scenario of why plans don't pan out. The plan was a trap door to a what? Another plan. Sometimes what you thought the plan was was used by God to fulfill a greater plan God never told you about. Okay, I'm still in first gear. I'm going to shift to second gear in just a minute. Y'all still with me? There's two case studies we looked at. Last week we looked at Job. God had a plan he didn't disclose to Satan and he didn't disclose to Job. Remember, we looked at that in great detail. I won't, I won't, I won't relitigate that to you. We looked at that in great detail. Remember, Satan comes. God's like, where you been? I just been doing my thing, God. He's like, hey, let's talk about Job. Who's talking about Job? So in other words, God initiated a conversation in the heavenlies that would affect what's going on in the earth. Because God had a plan that was going to use Job's pain his suffering, his loss, his hurt, and his pain, and it was going to get him double. God, when he initiated the conversation in chapters 1 and 2, his plan was always to give Job, Job double. But Job didn't know that for 41 chapters. You know your neighbor's issue? Your neighbor's issues is while they're in their 41 chapters, they're trying to figure out what's going on. Am I talking to anybody? And you're saying, Lord, what in the heaven is going on here? I know you're good sanctified people, so you. Lord, what's going on? And Job goes through this. And if you read, if you read it, it is really a remarkable story because in one moment, Job's full of faith. In one moment, Job is like, yes, Lord, I'm so excited. You're so awesome. You're so great. In the next chapter, Job is like, I curse, curse mom and them, curse dad, curse everybody, curse the whole earth. Just curse the doctor that put this, curse everybody. Why did you even let me be born? Why would you let me be born, God, if you knew I was going to have to suffer through this? See? Curse the day he was born. That was in chapter 3. <laughs> Ooh, he had another several chapters to go through. <laughs> Didn't he? Now, here's what's interesting. God never, ever revealed the second part of the plan until the end of the story. Which suggests to me that there are certain things that God says... 
I'm not telling you what my full plan was unless you survive this. And unless you choose to make it through this. Because there are certain things. The scripture says without faith it is impossible to please God. If I tell you my plan up front, then it's not going to take any faith for you to survive because you know what's going to come. But if you got to wake up every day saying, Lord, I'm not too sure, but I'm going to command my day anyhow. And I, I don't know how this is going to work out, but I'm going to keep on pushing. And I made some mistakes, but I'm going to keep on pushing. I, I didn't do that the way I wish I did. but I... It doesn't take faith if I tell you, listen, on Friday, I'm going to give you a million dollars. Now you receive it. And then I'm going to want that to be a twice sown seed. I saw it to you, you're going to sow it right back to me. <laughs> Amen. So we clear about how that seed's going to work. <laughs> could there be, watch this, hear me, Harmon. Could there be certain things that are happening in your life that God says, I got a plan that I got going on, and I'm not interested in telling you any of it until you prove you can survive? Until you prove that you won't quit and give up and throw in the towel? until you prove that you've got what it takes. Please understand. Please understand. God never looks for the perfect. He looks for the faithful. Now, let me go ahead and deal with the religious people in the room. Well, Bishop, the scripture says, be ye perfect for your father in heaven is imperfect. Learn to read in context and learn to also not have your own private interpretation because you're out of order. Okay. The scripture says, be ye perfect, be ye whole for your father in heaven is whole and he is made whole through love. It's hard, to, it's hard to steal from somebody you love. When I was coming up in the South, we had a said, if they lie, and if they steal, you see the big jump? Now, some of y'all didn't really come from the South. Y'all came from like South Denver or something because y'all didn't get it right. So, my Southern people in the room, let's tell them how it is. If you lie, you'll steal. And if you steal, you'll kill. Now, that's how it is in the South. Now, in Denver, it may be something else. If they lie, they'll prognosticate, Bishop. They'll prognosticate. <laughs> All right. Now, here's what I need you to get. Here's what I need you to get. Um, uh, it's very difficult to do people wrong when you love them. When you love them. Not like them a lot. You treat people bad that you like a lot. But love is patient. Love is kind. Love, 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 love doesn't rejoice in iniquity. Love, in other words, love sees you acting like a generational fool. Love says, jump out of that fire and knock the heaven up out of you. Love is not, oh, what's going on? What's wrong? Love, love, can I say what love looks like for real? When you out of order, here's what love does. Come here, come here, son. Come here, come here, come here. Here's what love does. I just got to drop the mic to show you. Here's what love does. Love snatches you up and says, oh, no. I spent too much time praying for you. I spent too much. No, you ain't going to act like this. No, no, no. Touch your neighbor and say, love snatches you up. Bishop, how do you know this? For the scripture says, God chastises, translation, snatches up 
Some of y'all don't know what a snatch-up is. Let me help you because you're like, what is that, a spanking? No, a snatch-up is what I just modeled for you. A snatch-up is when you ain't getting it while you're standing on the ground, so I got to lift you up and step. That's why you ought to thank God for the times he... You ought to shout in here for the times God didn't let you act a fool and didn't let you act like everybody else because he loved you. Somebody shout, he loves me. He snatched you up. Said, I dare you act like a fool. I bled, hung, and died for you, and you think you finna go out like this? I paid that price on Calvary for you, and you think you go? You better touch your neighbor and say, he'll snatch you up. See, parents, when you love your kids. Okay, let me leave it alone. 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 All right, let me leave it alone. Now, Bishop, what's the point I'm making? Could it be? That there are certain things in life where God says, I'm not telling you what I'm doing until we get to the end. You got to trust that the manufacturer knows more than the product. When is it going to turn for me? When it turns. (laughs) When is my breakthrough going to come? When it comes. What I'm going to keep doing until then, praying, praising, worshiping, serving, and I'm going to start acting like it's done. Now faith is. Can I preach for about 35 seconds? Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things that seem which mean faith acts like it is even when it's not. Y'all not hearing what I'm saying? The scripture says, and he operated in faith, calling things that be not as though they were. Which means God can look at a mess and call it blessed. And you be like, how is this blessed? It's blessed because that's what I called it. Until it looks like what I called it, I'm going to keep calling it. Which means I'm going to keep saying it until I see it. Because faith says... Anybody can cuss at the darkness, but only a Christian, only a kingdom believer can flip on the lights. I wish you'd have five somebody say, flip on the light. Which is so rough for me. And? But you the only one that didn't, you the only one? You the only one felt discouraged? You the only one that felt like giving up? You don't know, felt like you ain't good at it. You ain't the only one. Doesn't anybody say you're not alone? So how about you quit your reporting job? He don't need no reporters. Reporters report what they saw. Actually, that's not accurate. Let me correct that. Reporters report what somebody told them they saw. Faith has the ability to go into the invisible and call it forth. Faith, faith has the ability to say, I know you see this, but I can see in a realm you can't see in. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, which means my faith has the ability to go to a realm that you can't see, you can't access, but it's just as real to me as this is to you. What's this? All right, now, now, no, 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 no. Touch your neighbor and say, you must... Last. Suppose Job gave up in chapter 39. Go to Job 38, 12. Suppose Job gave up before he got this lesson. Watch this. This is God's response while Job is having a breakdown. Well, have you commanded the morning since the days began? 
Have you told the dawn to know its place? Next verse. That it might take hold of the ends of the earth and the wicked be shaken out of it? Suppose Job had, had given up in chapter 37. Suppose he got weary in chapter 36. And you know, them young girls, they will get weary. Suppose, y'all missed it. Suppose. Okay, now y'all are getting it. Okay, now 14 minutes later. Y'all the people, somebody tell a joke, you walk away, be like, so what was that? I didn't get it. I didn't get it. Then you come back over, oh, <laughs> I got the joke. Everybody laughing about that now. We talking about pizza now. I don't know what you. I'm just giving you a hard time. Give me a hard time. So, watch this. Tell your neighbor, say, make it to the end of the book. Because notice, Job didn't get this lesson until towards the end of his story. But the scripture says, after he dealt with all of that, he learns all these lessons. He figured out who his friends are. The scripture says that the Lord turned the captivity of Job. And that when Job prayed for his friends, that the Lord restored Job his losses. And the Lord gave him got double. And since I got a few preachers in the room, the Lord gave him. For his? Didn't he do it? Put that verse back up. I want to shout you, then I want to move to Saul, because I didn't get to, to treat Saul right last time. Can, can I show you something you've missed in the text? And the Lord restored, restored rather Job's losses when he prayed for his friends. Indeed, the Lord gave Job twice as much. Oh, wait a minute. We have two separate occurrences here. And the Lord restored Job's losses when he prayed for his friends. Indeed, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Which means when you're bouncing back when your plans don't work out, the first thing God does is restore you. Then once he restores you, he upgrades you. Y'all ain't hearing what I'm saying. What is restoration? It is to place, is to place something back in the position or the place that it was originally designed to be in. And the Lord restored Job's losses when he prayed for his friends. Level one. Level two, indeed the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. So God restored him, then he gave him double. You're not getting it. You're not getting it. He didn't give him double because he wanted to see how he handled the restoration first. You ever, you ever had a plan to do something real nice for somebody? And they didn't know you had that plan? And on the day before you was going to do something real nice for them? They just acted just like you've experienced that. The Lord knows the same about us. That's why the scripture says weeping may, can I just teach you for a minute? That's why the scripture says weeping may endure for a night, do it comes in the morning. Now check this out. Because God says, I want to see how you're going to act when you don't know that the breakthrough is in the morning. I need you to get it. Just like you've wanted to do something great for somebody 
and the day. They don't know it. They don't have a clue. Come on, y'all, y'all. I mean, you got it planned up too. I mean, you calculating it, you doing this, you emailing, Skyping, doing all of this kind of this here. You got, you got, you, I mean, you working on it. And they don't know. And it's Thursday. And they don't know. Oh, God, I wish I had. And you're thinking to yourself, this is, they're going to love this. This is exactly what they've been praying for. This is exactly what they, they're going to, oh my gosh, this is going to be incredible. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, comes a, it's Wednesday. What week is this? Fourth week, third week? I just need to know what I can say this week. <laughs> oh, we third week? No, I can't do it this week. <laughs> fourth week only. Fourth week only. <laughs> they act like they are a bat out of Hades. Crazy. Foolish. I cleaned it up good. Didn't I clean it up? They, they, they're crazy. And you're thinking to yourself, if they only knew what I had been working on, That's what you got to understand about where you're at in life right now as you're on your bounce back plan. God is working on some And he's doing it behind the scenes. And God says, I don't need you to get weary now. I don't need you to start acting crazy now because I'm working on something back here. And it's Thursday night and on Friday it's coming. But if you act a fool on Thursday, I'm not giving it to you on Friday. Just like you've done for people. It's the same principle. So you notice the scripture? It says the Lord restored him. Then he said, I want to see how it's going to do. Then the scripture says, indeed the Lord. Two occurrences. Okay. Touch your neighbor and say, don't act crazy now. <laughs> you, you, you've been praying and fasting. You've been, you've been faithful. You 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 you've been loving people that you did. You've been you've been kind. You've been you've done all that so far. Why stop now? Okay, the second one, and I got to get to it. Let's see, it happens every time. Doggone it. Okay, second one. Saul, because we're looking at two case studies. Okay, we're going to third gear. Y'all ready? Saul. All right. Wednesday night. So I'm just taking a little bit more time. Wednesday. Uh, or excuse me. Saul. Say Saul. Saul's name means asked for. Saul was the son of Kish. Kish means power. Got it? Now, God had a plan with Saul. Remember, we looked at two case studies, Job and Saul. We got into it, but I need to come back to retreat Saul because there's some stuff I need to show you. God had a plan he didn't reveal to Saul, that he didn't reveal to Kish, and not even to Samuel, the man of God, until the day before. Incremental steps were given that would lead through the trap door to God's greater plan. You got this. Okay, now here's what I need you to do. I need you to get this. Let me give you some background of how Saul became the first king of Israel. Uh, in 1 Samuel chapter 8, uh, verses 19 and 20, you don't have to flip it or put it on the screen for you. He says this. Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel. And they said, no, but we will have a king over us that we may also be like all the nations and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. Now, look at me. Here's what happened. The Lord said, I want to be your king. I'm your king. To be. I don't know the rest of the words. I'm your king. Huh? To be forever. Yes. Yes. So God said, I want to be your king, Israel. You know what Israel said? Israel's like, no, but the other people have kings. 
He said, the other people have kings. The other nations have kings. God says, but you're holy. You're distinct. You're mine. So you should be different than them. And you know what they said? But we want to be like them. Can I help somebody tonight? We're in third gear. God gets offended when you want to be like them when you're his and he wants you to be different than them. Stop looking at folk that don't serve Jesus talking about, well, look at this and look at that. They're not his. So they can live like that and think they're getting away with it. But you, touch your neighbor, say you, 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 you. You are his. So he wants you to look and act and talk and walk differently. So he says to them, here we are, third gear. So he says to them, he says, I don't want you acting like them. I don't want you being like them. I want to be your king. And you know what, they, what happens? The man of God, Samuel, comes down as the prophet. He says, listen, y'all, God really don't want to do all of this. He said, but, but watch this. He, he essentially says, but now if, if you insist, God's going to give you what you asked for. Watch it. So now when Saul is born, Saul is what they asked for. That's why his name means ask. Come on, be a good class. Which means there's certain things that God says, I wish you take my word for it, that you really don't want that. Oh, God. That you, that, that you really, okay, because we, we sometimes have this idea. We have this idea. We're in third gear. We have this idea, y'all, that sometimes if God don't want it to happen, he'll block it. He'll stop it. And that's not true. This is a prime example of God said, I'm telling you, if you get a king, I'm telling you, it's not going to be good for you. Okay, see, y'all, if y'all say amen, I wouldn't press it. There are certain single folk where you got certain names on your prayer list because you decided to yourself, I want this one. Well, you don't, okay, see, y'all ain't going to say nothing. So what you need to understand is this one comes with a price that you might not be able to pay. It's quite hard to work a job here. It's quiet in here. You better be touching him and say, be careful what you ask for. See, you ask the Lord to use you. You know what that means he has to do? He has to shake you first because he's got to use somebody whose will has been submitted to him. So the people asked for a king. So Saul was asked for. So, so, so what happens is, is now we get to 1 Samuel chapter 9. And in 1 Samuel chapter 9, Kish, this man of power, this man of wealth, sends out his son, Saul, that was asked for. Still with me? He sends out his son to go, and Saul is supposed to go and find these donkeys that are lost. Issue number one, how did the donkeys get lost? Who took them? Where did they go? Who left the gate open? It's interesting because God created a problem just to send Saul. There are certain problems that will happen in your life. And God says, I need you to know something. Stop rebuking the devil. That's why ain't nothing changing. I created that problem because I needed to send you on it. How did the donkeys get lost? Donkeys in the Hebrew culture were the equivalent of luxury automobiles. I don't know about you, uh, but if I got a luxury automobile, I'm going to know good and doggone well where all of them at. I'm going to know where the key's at. I'm going to know who last had the key. I'm going to know the secret code to bypass the key. I'm going to know the code to get on my computer to stop the car in the middle of the road. So watch this. How did the donkeys get lost? It's suggested, it's implied in the scripture by inference, if you will, uh, by deductive logic. It suggests to us that God said, I'll cause the donkeys to be lost just so I can send Saul on a journey to learn how to be a king. But now watch this. Touch your name and say, stay with Bishop. Now, now watch this. Watch this. The donkeys are lost. Saul, Kish sends Saul, his son, 
and a servant. Second problem. A man of great wealth and power could have sent a slave. He could have sent a servant. Why would he send his son? Except for the fact that the plan was a trap door to a greater plan. You don't send a son to go find what you ought to send a slave to do. So he sends out Saul and Kish and Saul and his servant. And as Saul and his servant go out, watch this. They search for the donkeys in four places and the search ends in the fifth place. And each place we got into this last week represented a necessary experience in the process of preparing Saul. Watch this. Uh, Say, I am in a process of preparation. Now, here's what I need you to get. It made no sense for Saul to have been on the journey anyhow. Which tells us that the fact that he's on the journey suggests that it's a supernaturally induced journey. Be honest. There's some stuff that when you look at your life, the truth be told, the only way that perfect storm happened or that perfect arrangement of things happened was that something supernatural had to have something to do with it. Y'all ain't saying nothing. Have you ever had it to where no door opens for you? Okay, y'all ain't going to say nothing to me. Could it be that that was supernaturally induced? Could it be that God himself said, I'm going to shut every door because I'll shut the doors no man can open because I want to send you on a journey. You've been in a set of circumstances that there's no other explanation for it other than something supernatural has been induced here. Man couldn't have done this. Only God could have been responsible for this. So Saul is on a journey that it makes no sense for him to be on because God says, I need to put him on this journey to process him for a place I'm not telling him about. Can we walk on the journey? Now, remember, the whole concept of this second scenario of your plans not painting out is that God has a plan that he doesn't tell you about. Because if he tells you, it's not going to require faith for you to make it to the end. Because now you know, and since you know, you'll just coast through knowing. Let me prove it to your parents. You ever decided to do something for your children? And they thinking the whole time you're not going to do it? Then you pick them up from school and be like, bam, whoop, there it is. Y'all don't do that in Denver? Y'all, where they do that? Where they do that? Okay. Uh, <laughs> now, watch this. He, he went, he searched in four places, and then he's in the fifth place. I gave you the first place. I need us to retreat this. Y'all with me, Harvest? All right, I got five minutes according to that thing. Okay, watch this. Number one, they went to Ephraim. Ephraim represented high places where they used to be very fruitful. And I told you that it represented them living in the what? Past. Can I tell you something? Here's what you need to know about your past. Is it's just not the failures and mistakes of your past you need to watch out for. It's the successes you've experienced in your past. You want to know the greatest enemy to future success? is previous ones. Past ones. Bishop, what do you mean past successes? Because now what you have done is you have created a construct in your mind that you can solve every problem the way you solve those problems. The problem is, is that those problems were at that level so you could use that level of intellect and spirituality to solve those problems. But now since you've been upgraded, faith to faith, glory to glory, level to level, now you got to solve these problems differently. So your previous successes could be a threat to your future successes because now, watch this, now, you've, now you're beginning to overestimate your ability. Now you'll approach it and say, well, I don't need to pray for that. I got this. And while that's a good mentality to have, you are suggesting that you fought that specific issue before. 
Touch your neighbor and say, watch out for your past. There's good lessons there, great lessons there. But just ensure that you're not allowing those lessons to create boundaries. Not wisdom, but boundaries. Not wisdom, but walls. Got it? If you've ever, if you ever, if you ever gotten in the water and, and had a bad, bad experience swimming, anybody ever done that? So, like, years later, could have been like 40 years later, People like, come on, get in the pool. Child, I ain't getting in that pool. Child, when I was seven, I got over in that pool. And let me tell you, they didn't, didn't nobody help me. Didn't nobody help me. I ain't getting in that pool. Y'all go in and have fun. I'm going to sit over here and cook. That was five decades ago. But now you've created a wall. A limitation. Okay, did you get it? The second place, to, so watch this. As you're on your journey of preparation, the first place you visit is your past. Got it? And you have to, you have to beat it. Touch your neighbor say, you have to beat it. People from your past will show up. And God says, I want to see if you learned anything the last time you dealt with them. Because if you didn't, this is going to be the same exact thing as last time. And you're going to be sitting up here mad at me when I already told you. I, I, you needed to go to Ephraim first. It's quiet in the church. Ain't nobody saying nothing. Second place, second place was Shalisha, S-H-A-L-I-S-H-A, which, which was the place of Baal, the place of idolatry, the place of false gods. Now, I've taught on this in great depth before. The place of Baal, Baal was the god of the moon. We've learned from, and if you don't have the teaching, you got to get it, command your year. Uh, you got to get that teaching. We learned, and we went into great detail, that the default rulers of the day are the sun and the moon. Got it? Now, uh, that's why Jesus, when he would get up to pray, he would get up before the sun would rise so that he could set the day before the default rulers set the day. Now, here's what I need you to get. Here's what I need you to get. Is Shalisha is a place of settling for the default, the average. Sometimes when you keep feeling like you can't reach what's above you, you settle for what's in front of you. Because you feel like that's such, that's such a work, that's so much work, that's so much stretching. Duh. It's at a level that is currently a level greater than you are at. So you know what you need to do? Rather than sitting and complaining about it being so much, just stretch. Doesn't anybody say just stretch? Okay, who goes to the gym and be like, oh my God, I'm sweating? I thought that was the whole point. You're missing it. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. You know what faith is? Sweating. <laughs> Stretching. Since your faith can be increased, faith is like a muscle, so faith is like exercise. Are you getting this? Okay. All right. So the second thing that's going to show up is your, your, your desire to settle for the default average. That's going to show up because it's going to be easier to just settle. The problem is, is that what you actually think you're settling for is of a lesser value than what it appears to be. You ever bought the cheap version of something to only discover you bought the cheap version of something? You'd be like, well, this is Fruity O's and this is Fruit Loops. It's the same thing. They, but no, they're not. Oh, no, they're not. Touch your neighbor and say, no, they are not. These are cocoa roos and these are cocoa pebbles. They just say, no, they're not. 
Not the same. <laughs> and for that 20 cents you save, you now can't have an enjoyable cereal meal. Because the whole time, watch this, because the whole time you're eating it, you're wishing you would have stretched. It's quiet in this church. Y'all don't want to help the bishop, so the bishop is going to move on. I'm getting ready to close, since y'all ain't going to say nothing. The whole time you're settling, you're sitting there thinking, I should have went here. I, I, was, uh, when I, I was just traveling, and I went to some pastors, and they took me to uh, this restaurant. They wanted to take me to this restaurant. We went to this restaurant. We went to this restaurant. And in the middle of the restaurant, it became clear that this was not going to be a good restaurant experience. But it, just, it just became clear because the, the server was just a little off, and, and I got this thing about service. I'm not going to pay you to treat me bad. So... So I'm not going to pay. You ain't doing me no favors. And so you just, I don't, I'm not paying to be treated poorly. I can pay myself and treat myself bad. So I'm not going to pay you to do it. So if you didn't have a good day, you shouldn't have came to work. You should have prayed out in your car. You should have fasted and prayed and got that, whatever you should have That ain't my problem. And if you got problems about how much they're paying you, you need to go see Jesus. Are you a tither? Because if you're a tither, you wouldn't be sitting up here worried about this. Do you sow seed? Because if you sowed seed, you wouldn't be sitting up here tripping over your check. But none of those are my problem. So if I say get me two glasses, you better run on in there and get me two of them. And if you have an attitude, I'm going to show you how I feel about it when I check out. I just, no, I'm, I'm not, I understand we live in a generation where folk don't believe in giving good service. Well, you're going to give me some good service. You can treat all of them bad, but you're going to treat me right. Bishop Heavy D said it like this, do me right. <laughs> You're going to do me right. I made him a bishop. So watch. So it just became clear. It became clear that this was not going to be a good experience. Because he said something, and I, and I just, I said, no, I'm not even going to let that. I know we're going to have a good time. We're going to eat this meat and this, whatever, this, whatever this bread here, we're going to eat and we have a good time. And so we sitting there talking, 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 and it just became clear. And then I said, it's taking forever for the food to come out. What are they doing? Did they go? Did they, you, we were in Texas. I said, did they go kill the cow and bring it here? I saw them driving up here. So did they go? Is that the cows they using? I ain't nobody got time for that. I got to go. I'm saying, this is just not good. This is just not good. This is taking forever. And so we're sitting there. It's just taking forever, 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 forever. And, and it's clear that. And the meal is just not going to be good uh, because it's taking forever. And then when the food finally does come, I'm like, man, I've been waiting on this. I said, I'm famished and I'm eating later than I normally like to eat in the house. So I'm like, this better be good. This better be the bestest meal. <laughs> I'm joking. This better be the best meal. I mean, this just better be incredible because for a $20 plate of meatloaf, this better be the best meatloaf. I mean, this just better be the best meatloaf. Because I could have had my cook put me something together for about $2.45. So this better be the best. Don't the B-show be cooking? Don't they do it, y'all? Okay. I, I need to get us to where we're going. And, and, uh, and so I'm sitting there, and the food, I'm like, this is cold. I said, I waited 45 minutes. You know how when you get angry, you, you first act like... You ever, you ever start crying before you get mad? Come on. Don't y'all do me like that, are you? Ever just, oh. I waited 45 minutes. <laughs> and it's cold. I said, sir, this is cold. Oh, is it? I said, you touch it. 
I said, it's cold. And you knew it was cold. You knew it was sitting up there. You watched it. Don't act surprised. I'm sitting next to the kitchen. I've been looking. Okay, I'm going somewhere. Did you never say he is going somewhere? I am. I am going. Touch him. Tell him I am going somewhere. Tell him I'm going somewhere. So I'm like, this is the, and then, and then the other meal's come, and then one of the other pastors, his, his meal comes out, and it's freezing. And, and so his wife grabs his, and like, I know he ain't going to have that. She, <laughs> you know, she does, she gets up from the table. She says, oh, no, he ain't eating this. Oh, no. Before he even come back from the restroom, she goes into the kitchen <laughs> and takes it in there and says, you ain't going to get this to the man of God because this ain't going to work. I eat mine, but you ain't giving him his like that. So, and at that moment, I said, it's getting ready to go down in this restaurant tonight. I said, give me that hat, boy, so I can put this hat on just so the people don't know it's Bishop for me. Shabbat shalom, shabbat shalom. Here's the point. I mean, it literally, it just, the whole experience just started, just, it just died. I just, everything was just, it just, nothing was good. It just, it's just nothing. I mean, I was like, how do you mess it up and take that long to mess it up? Like, if you're going to mess it up, like, take quick to make, you know. I'm sitting there thinking, this is, I'm going to dine vivaciously. I love a good meal. And, uh, you know, and, and, and it's just the best, it's just the whole experience. And so then the manager comes and I'm like, good, somebody's going to make this right. They got like the guy who scored the least high score you could achieve in the management class. He's the manager on the duty for the night. Like he's the guy that like that just it was a Monday night, just put him in there. I don't know. So they're explaining the story. The morning pastor explaining the story. Very kind, very kind. Don't get the wrong impression. Very kind, very Christian-like. And, uh, and, and so explain the whole thing, explain the whole thing. And the manager, you know, is, is basically, well, you know, we'll get you some dessert. See? Partner. Come here, son. Come. Won't you come? <laughs> you don't seem to understand the problem. Ain't nobody except them two over there enjoying their food. And the only reason they enjoying their food is because they just enjoying their food. Ain't nobody over here enjoying their food. Nobody. Well, one person, but ain't nobody else enjoying their food. Here's this cold. That ain't right. I mean, literally, there were so many issues, so many issues. And so the manager just wasn't handling it. And I didn't have a big issue until he walked away. And I said, did he apologize? I got this thing about, you know, repentance because the Bible teaches it. When I'm wrong, I say, I apologize. You know, I said, did he, he didn't apologize? I said, oh, okay. And, and here's the problem. Here's what I didn't tell you. Once it looked early on that, that, that it was not going to be a good experience, the whole thing, I mean, the food, nothing, nothing was good. Y'all don't know what I'm talking about, so uh, there you go. Uh, but I might tweet it. No, I'm just joking. It's not a natural so I'm just joking. I'm just being facetious. Uh, the pastors are like, you know what? If you want some meatloaf, that's why I got some meatloaf. Uh, they said, if you want some meatloaf, we can take you to the meatloaf spot. We can go. I said, but they already brought us water. Bread. Now I'm trying to teach you a point. I settled. I knew where this was headed up front. But I settled 
I'm like, no, it's all right. That's just, it's okay. Just everything's okay. Y'all just, it's all right. No, I'm just going to eat this. I'm going to just eat this. We already here. I'm just going to eat this. And she wanted her steak. I just, let's just eat it. And, and I knew where this was going. I knew it. Touch your neighbor and say, you knew. <laughs> what happens is, is that you can begin to sell. And the whole time I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, I should have just let them take us to this meatloaf spot where they were trying to take us. Because I said, this has just not been a great experience. I said, I came all this way to have a horrible dining experience. Here's the point. In life, when you, set, when you know where it's headed and you choose to settle, it's not the situation's fault anymore. So when we left, I really wasn't even mad with the people. I was like, I should have known up front after seeing how y'all acted in the first few moments. I knew. I chose to act as if I did not. Okay, it's quiet in here. Touch your neighbor and say, stop settling. Stop settling for average. Stop settling for default. Stop settling to be just like everybody else in your bloodline. You were created to be the bloodline curse breaker and the history maker. You... Somebody shout, I'm not settling anymore. Oh, God, I could spend time there, but I don't hear that. Okay, third place they went, Shalim, S-H-A-A-L-I-M. It means the place of small foxes. The scripture says in the Song of Solomon that small foxes spoil the vine. A vine is a connection. Got it? So the small foxes represent bad connections and bad relationships. So your past is the first place of process. The second place of process is the desire to settle for average. The third place of process is bad connections. Since you went settled to be average, the only way to get you down is to get you connected to somebody beneath you. So then the vine now is connected to something that is beneath it. Are you getting this? Now, I don't mean beneath in the sense of don't look down on other people. That's not what I'm saying to do. What I'm saying is, is just be honest, though. There are people that just aren't focused on the same things in life you are. You love God. You serve, you come to church, God is, okay, and you got some folk that you know that's just not what they do. So Satan knows since I couldn't get them with their past and since I couldn't get them to be average, let me just get them connected with somebody. Watch it. That'll be the vine that sucks the life out of them. So you're sitting up trying to walk your journey, but you're trying to constantly pull this up, pull this up, pull this up. And it's a vine, which means, watch this, is a vicarious connection. It, it, it means it, it's flowing both ways. There's symbiosis going on. So while you think you're giving to them, you don't realize at the same time they're putting something in you. And you'll say, well, no, I don't be listening to what they be saying. I just be speaking the word. But what you didn't understand is when they spoke, they spoke. And those words are spirits. And those spirits have been released into your hearing. And now the vine has connected to you. And so while you think you're the one pouring into them, you're really the one God poured into. And it's insidious because you don't realize it's destroyed you until it's done its job. You don't realize you become negative until you start talking like them and say, I talk what? I wasn't like this before I started hanging with them. Because a leech has two daughters. Give me and give me some more. All right, next place, next place. Got to move. Next place, next place. The Benjamites, the place of the Benjamites. It means the place of the ravenous wolves. Now, we talked about how that's the, that was the last place they went. We talked about how that was the roughest part of the journey, right? Ravenous wolves, right? Just, you know, uh, ravenous, just, just crazy, right? Here's what you need to understand, though. Y'all with me, Wednesday Night Live? Are y'all sure? 
Are y'all quiet because you're learning? Yeah. All right, that's good. You know, Bishop Bright gives me a hard time because when I'm, when I'm receiving the word, I sometimes, I'm very quiet and very, very cerebral. And then out of nowhere, I just pop up. And I just be sitting. <laughs> Come out of nowhere. Problem with the Benjamites. You know why they were the roughest? Because Saul was a Benjamite. Come here, Harvest. Which means the last stage of the journey is amongst the familiar. Who you know, what you know, where you been, what you normally go to. The last stage of the journey is the familiar. And it's the roughest because it knows you the best. Can I preach it like I want to? The Benjamites, it's the roughest stage of the journey because it knows what to say, when to say it, when to present this in front of you. It knows when you're feeling discouraged and depressed, so it knows when to tell so-and-so to pick up the phone to call you. It knows when to tell you to drive past this, when to pull up Facebook on your phone. It knows exactly how to get the wrong information to you at the right time to try to take you out. And it's ravenous. Do you understand what this means? It means it's out to kill you. It ain't just trying to block you and stop you. It wants to take your life. But I think there's some people in this place tonight that say, I'm going to pass every level of this process. It's the familiar. It knows you. And you know what it does? It makes you think you got control over it. But what you don't understand is, it's like, but I know you better than you know yourself. So I know what to say to you. I know what to do to you. I know how to get you. I know exactly. I know exactly. I know. Watch this. Satan is an anthropologist. Do you understand this? He's a psychologist. So he studies you. He watches you. He knows exactly what to do, when to do it. He knows exactly what to say. He sits in the cut, as it were. And he says, I know exactly. Okay. They, oh, that's, oh, that's when they're feeling down. Okay. That's what I need to send this. That's when I need to sit in that. That's when they need to see this. And that's why there are certain things that truth be told, had you not seen X, it wouldn't have taken you to Z. But where did X come from? Because that's the place of the Benjamites. That's the place of the familiar. There were certain things that you said to yourself, I've conquered that. I've moved on past that. Oh, yeah? Okay, well, let's check that out. The land of the Benjamites is the place where now it's ravenous and it's familiar and it knows you better than you know yourself. Because it's been with your bloodline for thousands of years. And it says to you, you think you just finna come up? You think, you, you think oh, you know something, huh? Oh, you're going to beat me? Oh, you're going to lay hands on me and tell me to leave? Okay. I act like I left to sit in the back until you're real discouraged. And then when you're real discouraged, here come the Benjamin. They're ravenous. I got five minutes on this CD, so I ain't doing a second one. So y'all got to sit down so I can finish this. Touch your neighbor and say, don't succumb to the familiar. If your familiar is to eat when you stress, stop going to a restaurant. If your familiar, okay, because since y'all ain't going to say nothing, it, it, say, say amen and I'll leave it alone. Say it real loud and I'm going to leave it alone. But that wasn't loud enough. If your familiar... All right, I'll leave it alone. 
The fifth place they went was the land of Zuph, Z-U-P-H. Here's what it means. It means the land of honey. It's the place where God's grace was revealed. The promised land was always called a land that flows with milk and a land that flows with honey. So check this out. The fifth place he gets to is the land of Zuph, 1 Samuel 9, 2. And they answered them and said, yes, there he is just ahead of you. Hurry now for the day he came to the city. Somebody say today. Because there is a sacrifice of the people today on the high place. As soon as you come into the city, you will surely find him before he goes up in the high place to eat. For the people will not eat until he comes because he must bless the sacrifice. Afterward, those who are invited will eat. Now, therefore, go up for about this time you will find him. So verse 14. So they went up to the city, and as they were coming into the city, there was Samuel coming out toward them on his way to the high place. Now watch this. Look at me, Harvest. Saul's been on this process that's taken him to all these places, and he's gotten past the familiar, and the process was frustrating. It was painful. It was confusing. But watch this. It was also perfectly timed. It was frustrating, painful, and confusing, but it was also perfectly timed to get, to get Saul to Samuel at the right time at the right place. Touch your neighbor's I'm right on schedule. Look at verse 20, same chapter. But as for your donkeys, here's Samuel, the man of God, speaking to Saul. Now, remember, he left to go get some donkeys, but it didn't make any sense for him to be looking for donkeys in the first place. So God, as it were, God almost created a problem so that Saul could go out and solve it so he could get Saul on a journey so Saul could get to Samuel. The plan of finding the donkeys was never the plan. How do we know? Look at Samuel's response. But as for your donkeys that were lost three days ago, wait a minute, I thought they were his daddy's. Okay, I don't have time to work it. But as for your donkeys that were lost three days ago, do not be anxious about them. Why? They've been found. Well, now, wait a minute. They were lost three days ago, and they have been found. So that means now all the rest of this journey was no longer to find the donkeys because the donkeys were found. Which means what it looked like the plan originally was was never really the plan in the first place because somebody else found the donkeys. Watch this. And on whom is all the desire of Israel? Is it not you and all of your father's house? Now watch this. Look at 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 this. Now go to verse 21. And Saul answered and said, Am I not a Benjamite of the smallest of the tribes of Israel's? And my family is the least of all the families in the tribe of Benjamin. Why then do you speak like this to me? Samuel said to him, Is not the whole desire of Israel for you? But Samuel says to himself, I'm little old. Or Saul says to himself, rather, I'm just Saul. I'm not anybody. I'm of the least significant of the tribes. In fact, we're ravenous wolves. <laughs> um, we're the least significant of the tribes. Why in the world, you know, why are you speaking like this to me? Look at me, Harvest. The plan was greater than what Saul thought he actually deserved. When God has a trapdoor plan, it's going to be greater than what you actually think you deserve. I wish you'd high five somebody and say, it's going to be greater than what you think you deserve you ought to just watch this. If you'll be consistent to make a decision to bounce back, what you thought you were going to bounce back to, you're going to bounce back past. Why? Because it's going to be greater than what you think you deserve. I wish somebody would shout, yes, it will. Zuff was the place of God's grace. God's grace is when God gives you what you have not earned and you did not qualify for. He just gives it to you because he wants to. I love that you and I serve a God that he'll give us stuff just because he wants to be good to us. I don't know about you, but I love that I serve a Jesus that says, I'll give you grace. I'll give you honey. You don't deserve honey. You deserve vinegar. But watch me. Watch me give you something greater than what you actually deserve. Watch this. I got two minutes. Verse 22. Now Samuel took Saul and his servant and brought them into the hall and had them sit in the place of honor among those who were invited. There were about 30 persons. Look at me, Harvest. God's plan involved Saul receiving an unexpected honor. 
Here he is looking for donkeys. Now he's with the man of God sitting at the table of honor. He was looking for donkeys, but God said, I got a trap door in here. Somebody's going to get it. 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 6. I got to close it out. I got 30, uh, 40, whatever it says. 1 Samuel uh, 10, verse 6. Then the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you, and you will prophesy with them and be turned into another man. Wait a minute. In other words, the man he was when he started the journey, and the man he was at the end of the journey was an insufficient man to reign. It was an insufficient man to be king. So look at what Samuel says. Samuel says, watch this, uh, then the Spirit of the Lord is going to come upon you and you'll prophesy and you'll be turned into another man. Samuel gave Saul instructions to go amongst the other prophets when he saw them walking on the road and to go with them and that when he followed his instructions, he'd be turned into another man. Watch it. God has sent you to harvest. Because the you you were, he's no longer interested in that version of you. He wants you to turn into another man. He wants you to turn into another woman. And he placed you in the presence of the man of God to change. You ought to shout, I'm where I'm supposed to be. Shout, yes, you sure are. God said, Samuel said to him, you're going to be turned into another man. Because the you that you are is insufficient for the you you must become. Watch verse 9. So it was when he had turned his back to go from Samuel that God gave him, watch this, another heart. And all these signs came to pass that day. Uh, look at me, Harvest. God placed him in the presence of the man of God to change his heart, to change his mind. Let me make it plain for you. God has placed you at Harvest to change your heart and to change your mind. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like hiking Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania or enjoying the views while cruising on a catamaran in the Caribbean. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. With over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10. That's V-I-A-T-O-R-10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator.